Hi, this is Jordan Moreno, and this is The Valley Now, your weekly feel-good hour where we lift each other up with the stories of good people doing good things in your neighborhood. Every week, we'll be talking with community leaders who have a unique passion for our thriving city and those that make the Valley such a special place to live. Get ready to be inspired by the work they're doing, whether it's mentoring our youth, providing a platform for those without one, or just driving those worthy charitable causes. Listen in on the conversations and join us in raising our community. This is our time to shine and this is the Valley Now. Today talking about the importance of talk because it is so important and talking can actually save lives. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention wants to talk away the dark and here to tell us more about the life-saving programs is Erica McBeth and Miss Mesa Stephanie DeLeon. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. We're in the middle of National Suicide Prevention Month and just recognized World Suicide Prevention Day on September 10th. And I know that the foundation is tackling the topic of suicide head on. And it's something that I think sometimes makes people uncomfortable, um, especially if you're not familiar with it. But, you know, we were talking earlier, the second that you kind of start diving into your story or getting more involved with the foundation, the more you realize how many people have been affected by suicide. So Erica, if you want to tell me first, just a little bit more about the foundation for suicide prevention, and then your involvement with the organization. So the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention um, was actually started in the 1980s. Um, And they, they were started as a group because they, there was all of this, um, they, they had had some personal suicides that had touched them and they wanted to do something about it. And they realized that there was no research on the topic. So um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is first and foremost, a research-based organization. So we do not try to put out information that is um, not factually based. Everything that comes from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention um, is actually scientifically based, um, based on the research that they have done. And then they give away all that research to all of the other suicide prevention organizations all throughout the country for them to be able to use um, and be able to prevent suicide. Um, but it's really developed into a lot more than that. Um, because um, it started out with the research, but there's also, um, they they do a lot of work with advocacy on a national level and also we do it on a state level here as well. Um, so we're advocating for laws to help with suicide prevention. Um, we also um, have programs in place in, in order to um, support um, survivors of loss, um, because as you can imagine, it is a deeply personal thing when you have a personal loss. Um, we do a lot of education all throughout the the state of Arizona, actually. Um, and so, um, so there's a lot of things that the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention actually does, but it really is the reason that we we're even having this conversation because, you know, um, I'm old enough to realize that 20 years ago, nobody talked about suicide. It was very hush hush. Um, if there was a suicide, nobody said anything about it, but it is really the research that has told us that talking about it more often does not create more suicide. In, in fact, it helps us to become more connected so that we can relate to one another and we can work to prevent it because 90% of people that die per, by suicide it is from a condition that was absolutely preventable. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're right. I, I lost a dear friend to suicide 15 years ago. And at the time, you know, I was in high school and nobody talked about it. It was this weird kind of, there was a, a dark cloud over the school for months afterward. And she was, you know, very popular. Everybody knew her was, you know, kind of the star of the show type of girl. And no one really knew what to say. And I I would say too, that that affected me. That affected me into adulthood and the way that I saw death and the way that, you know, I processed, you know, deaths that, that came since then. But it's something that talking is something that's so simple. What is the research showing in terms of how it affects or how it prevents suicide and how those numbers are trending? Well, I mean, honestly, it's, I mean, talking is everything, right? We're talking away the dark. Um, But uh, specifically, if you know someone that you suspect may be thinking about suicide, the number one preventer is asking them directly and Mm -hmm. actually saying to them, are you thinking about taking your own life? Um, And it is super uncomfortable. (laughs) Right. A tough conversation and question. It's a tough conversation, but is that conversation going to be tougher than if they actually go through with it? Mm-hmm. You're right. I, I, I would say that it's not. Um, and so um, it's a tough conversation to have. But what I like to tell people is you not only have to ask the question, but the moment you actually ask the question, they're going to either tell you one or two, one or two things. Yes, I'm thinking about it. And then you can say, let's help get you some resources. Or no, they're not, no, I'm not. And sometimes that's accurate and sometimes it's not. Um, right. But let's be real. Like it's also very difficult for the person receiving that um, question to actually like get into the conversation as well, particularly if they're in suicidal ideation. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they just don't want to talk about it. So I always tell people right after you ask the question, what you really need to say is, do you know how that would affect me if anything would happen to you? Because right there, that one question snaps it out of their brain of everything. It's all about me and the world is horrible to me and starts get them thinking about you and how it would affect you. And it does change something in them. So when they say talk away the dark, talk away the dark. I mean, talking is everything. That's how we relate to one another. Right. And then takes away that feeling of of loneliness, too, and feeling as if they don't have someone they can lean on. Absolutely. Because a lot of times um, what we find, the research actually says that when you are in suicidal ideation, um, you are much more prone to being spontaneous, Um, spontaneous and just like you don't think things all the way through. That's part of the mental health um, issue is you're not thinking things all the way through. So a lot of times they're thinking in their brain and it's a very real thing to them that they feel like no one cares when in reality, they don't realize how much their life actually affects everyone around them. And so they really need to hear from everyone around them and have them say, listen, your life means something to me. Like it would affect me because that's going to help to pull them out of that mental health issue. Mm -hmm. And it's not often that you find kind of a hub for the different populations. And I found, and I applaud you all because I found that the, the website 
really was a hub for those that have been affected, those who have lost someone, and those that were thinking about taking their own life. And there's resources for each each population. Um, so I really appreciated that they're taking all parties involved because they're really it goes so far beyond the one person who is either thinking about or going through with taking their own life. Can you tell us more about the the Talk Saves Lives Talk Saves Lives program and then the More Than Sad program and kind of the two education pieces that are on the website? Well, I mean, those are the those are um, educational resources that we take out into the communities that um, um, our education chair actually puts those on um, and we'll go out anywhere that they want us. So we get calls very often that says, um, you know, we just um, we're looking for some suicide prevention training um, and it could be a business. It could be a school. Um, and sometimes it is them looking to become presenters of these this type of information so they can take it out into their communities. So we very often train folks to do that. Um, they do come up on a monthly basis. You can actually find those on our website. They're always free of charge for you to attend. So, and a lot of times they're virtual. So if you actually want to jump on one of those calls and just find more, more out about suicide prevention and um, the Arizona chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, I would highly encourage everybody to do so. How did you first get involved with the organization? So, um, you know, just to share a little of our personal history, <laughs> way back when you and I started the radio business together yep. um, and, um, you know, I was a sales and believe it or not, they actually like called in. Um, um, they were actually, they wanted to buy some advertising to put on the radio so that, um, they could tell people about this walk. And I was the one that handled it. And, um, at that moment in time, they didn't know this about me, but I was actually going through a pretty serious depression. And, um, I don't know why, but I was like, you know, I'm going to get out of the house and I'm going to go to this thing without really probably clearly thinking it all the way through. <laughs> Um, I didn't know how, what an emotional impact it would have on me. But in 2017, I actually uh, went to my very first walk. And the biggest thing that impacted me was that there were 2000 people there. Because as I was at that walk, it occurred to me that those, all of those 2000 people had been affected in one way or another by a loss. Mm -hmm. And as I started thinking about it, I was like, I bet a lot of those people that have lost their lives are feeling sad and lonely and depressed, kind of like how I'm doing. And I was just really so moved by it that I really just wanted to do something about it. So that's how I got involved with the organization because uh, I just then wouldn't leave it alone. <laughs> Can't get rid so of you. They, they, could, they couldn't, they found they could not get rid of me. Um, <laughs> so I, that's actually how I came to the organization because I realized that there was such a huge need. Um, and if you look at some of the statistics just on loneliness itself, um, it's massive, but that also doesn't take into account um, other things that may cause people to actually fall into um, suicidal ideation, um, which could be, you know, financial issues or it could be substance abuse or um, there could be, um, you know, some some um, some types of events that are happening in their lives. It could be a chemical imbalance. The thing about suicide is it crosses all barriers like all age groups, all uh, all 
races, like anybody and everybody could be susceptible to this. And so I think it's important, like you noted, like when you go to our website, it has like different things for all kinds of different groups. It's because we realize that every group needs to be talked to in their own language, in their own way. And so um, even though it's the same message, the way that it comes across, we have to always continually um, present it in a way that people are going to receive it. What groups are more at risk? Well, everybody thinks that it is going to be, um, you know, the kids, because that's what you hear about the most, right? And it's it's the one thing that when it happens, it just hits us because you think that's a life that has been snuffed out before before it even got started. But in reality, that is not maybe the age group that is most affected. Um, there is actually evidence that there was a huge increase. I believe it was from... 2018 to 2021. And 2021 is the most recent verified statistics that we actually have. Um, But there was an increase in those between 25 and 44 years of age. Um, Typically speaking, the most at risk group, traditionally speaking, has been between 45 and 55. And people don't think about that. They're kind of, it's, it's, it has been, um, much more largely a middle age problem. Not that it can't happen to someone young, because as we know, it goes straight across the board. No one is is immune to it. Um, But we don't really talk about the older age groups as often. Um, But when you find people in like that 45 to 54 age group, they are kind of losing hope because they don't have that initial hope that their, you know, their career is going someplace and I'm going to conquer the world. That's kind of died. They've run into a lot of challenges at that point in time. Mm-hmm. They may be running into some health issues. Health issues are another thing that we find that people have a really difficult time kind of coming out of. So um that has traditionally been the most at risk group. Um, but that is not always the case. And it doesn't mean that um, it would not happen in another age group. And Stephanie, how did you first get involved with the organization? So I had been involved actually with the Miss America organization since 2017. I was 16 years old when I won my first local title. And I hit the ground running literally days after I won. I got involved with a different mental health organization and have since attended the Out of the Darkness Walk first in 2019. And eventually, I also went to the Sierra Vista Out of the Darkness Walk, Tucson, and Phoenix last year. It is a great organization that offers a lot of amazing resources and events for people. I especially loved the event for families who have lost loved ones to suicide. It's a very touching moment, and it can feel very challenging and alone. And I love that through the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, there are resources not only for those who are struggling, but for family members and loved ones as well. And how are you utilizing your platform now to kind of help to spread the awareness and help to just, I think, remove the stigma too is a big piece of it. Yeah. So I started my, it's called Community Service Initiative now, but 
platform nonetheless. <laughs> it's called Provider Day Depression and Suicide Prevention. So the reason why I even got into this subject matter in the first place was because my 16-year-old cousin died of suicide in 2012, but I didn't know that that was his cause of death until I was his age four years later. And from 2012 on, I've had friends who have attempted to take their lives in middle school, high school, college, so on and so forth. It's a never-ending, ongoing issue. And since 2017, I've implemented my own curriculum appropriate for grades K through 12, so I can appropriately discuss depression and suicide, depending on the age range, because obviously you don't talk about mental health the same way to a kindergartner as you do a 12th grader. And also since graduating film school at ASU, I've implemented mental health and illness into film also in a safe, non-triggering way. My senior project day by day got accepted into the Phoenix Film Festival. So that was a really fun way to get my voice out there and out into the mental health community, have these tough conversations with people from a young age to those who've lived a very long life. And it's something that is completely irreplaceable. And I definitely owe a lot of the knowledge that I have to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention as well. Girl, you're crushing it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. See, we like her. That's why we keep her around. <laughs> <laughs> And like the list goes on and on like, holy smokes, that's awesome. Thank you. That you kind of took this initiative to do it on your own and to go out and build curriculum. What sort of responses do you get when you go speak to a kindergartner? Because I have I have a son that's almost five. And, you know, in conversations with some of my parent friends, I feel like kindergarten really does I mean, that's when a lot of bullying starts. And that's when all of these topics that five years old seems so tiny and so innocent to me, but it's a different world out there. So what sort of responses do you get when you go into the classroom? Yes. So starting with kindergartners, I like to make pinky promises with them, but I do like doing all ages, but specifically kindergartners, I kind of go along the route of mental health conversations with these young, young kids along the route of if you feel sad and you don't know why, that's okay because we don't always need to have a reason and it's valid because that's the important thing with being a child and being susceptible to everyone's opinions about you and taking care of yourself. Your feelings are valid, mental and physical, and that's something that shouldn't be disregarded. So going back, telling them that it's okay to feel the way that you do sometimes, even if there's no explanation, it's okay to tell a parent people are here to help and that you matter. And that's kindergartners. The youngest I was actually able to discuss with keywords depression and suicide directly were third graders, eight to nine year olds. This was something that I was able to do at 18. And I went to a summer school. I just gave my general appropriate third grade presentation, not really using those words yet. And then I opened up the floor for questions. No one raised their hand. I'm like, okay, let's talk about my story because I've been talking about my cousins, but it took me a couple years into being in the Miss America organization for me to be comfortable talking about my own journey with disordered eating since I was their age at eight years old and living with anxiety on a day-to-day basis. So I told them that, and my mom was in the audience too, taking pictures of me, but that was one of the first times that I was like, okay, I'm going to do this because yeah. it's really hard to talk about 
in a family and especially coming from a traditional Asian family, the reason why I didn't find out about my cousin's death by suicide was because mental health wasn't something super discussed in my family, even though other family members I've had had eating disorders and I've had schizophrenia and a, a whole range of mental disorders. So I went into that room, told my own story, and then 20 hands raised. And we answered them all. I had some private one-on-one talks after. And it's those little moments where I was a senior in high school, just graduated. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do this forever and ever and ever. So even outside of being a title holder, I'm starting my own 501c3, complete with a video series that focuses on various mental illnesses and the little nuances that people who don't go through it themselves will be able to see on a visual medium. So it's super cool. And yes, so curriculum really just ranges from different people, but I find that being a title holder for so long and doing these presentations, I've been able to find my way through each grade level and beyond, obviously, with adults in order to make it as effective, appropriate, and impactful as I can. So I bet like you don't get nervous anymore. Do you get more nervous talking to adults or kids? Because I feel like kids can be brutal too sometimes. Oh my gosh. Kids are so brutally honest. So when they say <laughs> I did a good job, I take that to heart. <laughs> yes. But I think it's it's definitely a lot harder to talk to kids. It doesn't necessarily get easier when I first started doing mental health presentations. The first time I did one, I was 17 and it was to a voice catch and I cried my eyes out because it's just such a hard thing to talk about. But mm-hmm. I think it's just we deal with it better in different ways. I don't think it necessarily gets easier, but I find that I am able to deal with the extremity of the conversation better. I find that in my experience, like just talking about it more often, it does make you feel better. And yeah. um, the other thing is if it's ever, if you ever get nervous about like, oh, I'm scared if I'm going to reveal, I'm scared I'm going to reveal this about myself and everybody's going to judge me. The more nervous you are, the more people actually need to hear it because it's always surprising to me when you say that thing that makes you kind of feel a little uncomfortable, how many people raise their hand and say, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the saying, speak up even if your voice shakes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that too, because vulnerability <laughs> Like vulnerability is something too that I think generationally didn't happen. You know, even like 10 years ago, people did not like to show vulnerability. And so we now coming into our own feelings and our own, you know, our own truths, I think there is still a lot of nervousness around it. And so the more that we have you know, these proud leaders and and people that that kids can look up to that are speaking their truth and are being vulnerable. And maybe your voice does shake during a presentation now and then. I think it's an amazing thing. So you guys are both doing great work for the platform. Well, and if you think about it too, the like, like women are so much, you know, we're conditioned to be much more vulnerable. Um, You know, women actually do attempt more often, but men complete more often. And so, um, you know, like, I, I think it's also a thing we have to open up our men and boys to also being allowed to be vulnerable because it's in that vulnerability where we find our mental health. Mm-hmm. Yes. Preach it. Well, tell me about the the walk, the out of darkness walk um, for Phoenix, because that is coming up. So tell me about your involvement in it and, you know, where can we learn more? What's, what's it all about? 
Well, it's um, so the Phoenix Out of the Darkness walk. Um, it is meant for anyone um, that is e has either lost someone or support suicide prevention or anyone that has been an attempt survivor or has had mental health challenges, you name it. If suicide is a concern for you, then we highly encourage you to come out to the Phoenix Out of the Darkness Walk on October 21st. It's going to be at Salt River Fields. It's going to be right there in the stadium. So we're super excited about that. Um, it is a very, um, we have a very, what I would like to say, serious, but emotional conversation, because let's be honest, this is a very serious and emotional topic. Um, and then our walk, um, there's something very beautiful and meaningful about the whole experience. Um, it is very uplifting. Um, and if you have had a loss, um, and if you, and you've never been, it is actually very helpful to help you to heal, or at least that is what people have told me after having attended the walk itself. Um, so, um, yeah, we would love for everybody to come out. Um, we would also love for you to register for a team. Um, we are raising funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, and for all those areas that I mentioned previously. Um, so we would love for people to come raise teams, raise monies. We're trying to do a lot of fun things around that. Um, but if you don't happen to be in Phoenix, we do also have walks in Prescott, um, Flagstaff, Tucson, and Sierra Vista. So um, if you want to go to afsp.org slash Arizona, you can find all the events and all of the information. Um, and so that uh, we would love to actually have you come to register and come to the walk. And that is my spiel on the Phoenix Walk. <laughs> Did I leave anything out? I don't think so. I think that was pretty good. I think you covered it all. Is there anything else that the community can do beyond the walk, beyond October to help to support the organization? Listen, there are always things that um, are going on with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. If you cannot come out to walk, because I have had people that have said, listen, um, I'd love to walk. I just can't physically do it. Um, you can actually go and you can donate onto the website. Um, we do have an area where you can actually um, give on a monthly basis if you feel called to do that. But we also have lots of other events that come up. Like we have our educational events that we talked about. Um, we do have our um, campus walks that come up in the spring. We have an annual golf tournament um, that comes up in April. Um, if someone is just um, at a huge advocate and wants to reach people on a legislative um, level. Um, in February, we always have a state capital day where we go and we actually advocate for laws for suicide prevention. Um, so there's all kinds of things that you can do. You can become a volunteer, which is exactly like what Stephanie and I are doing. Uh, neither one of us have any kind of training or well, I don't have any training. I don't think you have. Do you have training, Stephanie? I minored in psychology and I've attended some courses, but nothing formal, but yeah, volunteer. We're, we're not, we're not doctors, but the number one thing that you can really do to prevent suicide, be kind. There's so much going on in the world. You just never know what's in people's hearts and their heads and what they're actually going through. Be kind, pay attention. Um, and if you see somebody that's struggling, um, be that helping hand to reach out and help them. And sometimes, um, sometimes it's those small things that are th the things that are most needed. The perfect way to end it. You know, be kind, a very simple call to action for the entire community. Erica, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me on The Valley Now. 
Thank you for having me. All right. I want to give a very special thank you to my guests today. And I want to thank you for being a part of the program and making our community an amazing place, not just to live and to work, but most importantly, to play. You can hear The Valley Now on the radio with audio on demand on radio station websites and the Odyssey app. My name is Jordan Moreno. Shine your light, share your love, and join us again next week right here on The Valley Now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.